let the hogs out. Welcome to Hog Planets, your destination for commentary on some of the most uh, oversatiated, um, self-satisfied uh, people and culture. Uh, really, you know, in America, I think. And this is this is uh, our nights at the Quarantine Cinema series, where we watch movies in quarantine and determine. Uh, I don't know if they're sludge or not. Um, <laughs> I'm Dan Spaventa, joined, as always, by Sam Lewis. Uh, Sam, uh, what's up? What's up, everybody? Um, I'm honestly glowing right now because I think with the movie we're talking about today, we may have found a movie that is more Hog Planet-centric than even Okja was. Like, this one... We're talking about the movie Wild Hogs, starring Tim Allen, John Travolta, Martin Lawrence, and William H. Macy. And it's uh, it's completely what we need to do to explain what hog culture is to the, to the listeners. And to help us do that, we have a, a, an expert of cinema. Uh, it's uh, my pal, Luke von Brandenburg. Luke, uh, what's up? Uh, are, are you are you're fresh from a viewing of Wild Hogs, right? Yeah, I just watched it. Uh, thank you for having me, Dan and Sam. It's a pleasure to be on the planet. It's uh, it's a great to have you. So, I mean, you're you're the, the the credits rolled minutes ago for you. So why don't you just can you give us your initial reactions on like what? What is this film? Now, it came out in 2007. Um, you know, it's it, it's over it's over a decade old at this point. Yeah, I'm just trying to come down right now. Just a lot of emotions. It really is like the end of an era of like boomer humor in the mainstream. I'm just, I don't even like, I have a whole list of notes of just like the jokes that they made and like i'm still trying to process it all i said this to sam before uh we 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 started recording but it's it's like peak like no homo sort of oh my god john travolta's character is like i'm surprised he didn't say no homo at all because his interactions with william h macy are just like oh you're like where are your pants and like don't get close to me the, the whole the time overriding humor of this is like a weird looking fat guy singing a song he shouldn't be singing and then everyone else being like that's just wrong like that's yeah. the that's the entire joke of this movie um, yeah but specifically i think this lines up with hog planet really well because they're so we luke you said it was boomer humor but to me this is almost like more gen x humor because all these people, this movie is about fear. And one of the greatest fears that all these people have is like selling out or um, being oh, yeah. normie or something. And there are like four men who are just utterly terrified of their daily life uh, for different reasons. And the only like escape they have from it is this weekend warrior, like uh, riding their hogs, riding their motorcycles, like at hobby that they have. Um, and that's like really all they have. It is even like explicitly said by John Travolta's character, Woody at one point <laughs> that this is like all he has. It's just such a, like, I want to be a man and we're not men kind of a thing. And they just really like double down on it in every way possible. And it circles back at the end to saying, like, actually, we were men when before this all started with, like, oh my with our normal lives, which is like, all right, so <laughs> it's like this whole, this is this was a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about just the, the casting here? I, I mean, this is, uh, this is William H Macy pre Shameless, so I don't feel like he was this like yeah. leading man type. So I thought that was kind of interesting casting as like the outcast like guy who like gets nude you know 
Yeah, he's a computer programmer who is like physically incapable of talking to a woman. Like he seizes up the opening scene. He's like trying to flirt <laughs> with a woman by showing that her that he has like voice recognition software on his computer. But then it starts playing like porn. It, like he says something that gets mistranslated by the computer as uh, alternative sex, and then it starts just opening like granny porn and like <laughs> barnyard porn. Like not even anything real. Just like what old people, I guess, think is porn on, was porn on the internet in like 2007. Of course, and it's just like full volume, like just the most generic humor of like, oh, haha, like porn in public, like, oh god, like there are kids around, and he's got to like break the computer to get it to stop. Is it like in and flames? Then, and there's like a cat on the floor, and he's like, well, I guess it's just you and me, like. <laughs> It's just so depressing. So, okay. And then we have uh, Martin Lawrence, who is is a welcome presence, I think. If anything, they they don't give him enough to do. Um, So he's a a sad plumber who just took a year off to write a book that he never (laughs) wrote. (laughs) And he's utterly cucked by his, like... um, by his lawyer wife, who w- clearly wears the pants in the household. Um, she's played by Tashina Arnold, who plays Pam on The Martin Show, which is kind of a funny, self-aware thing. I wrote in my notes that, like, Martin Lawrence is in, like, a progressive household where the woman is the breadwinner. And, like, that's his problem is that, like, she gave him a year off to do whatever he wanted. And it's also funny, like, I think we have to say before getting into everything else that, like, the year of this coming out in 2007 being right before like the 2008 financial crisis where like it doesn't matter what their problems are here because it's about to get a whole lot worse no matter what yeah that's actually a really good point i didn't even think of that but um i also love the scene where we meet bobby because his daughters are just both nightmares (laughs) like the younger one is just literally screeching at top volume the whole time and then the older daughter um is wearing like shorts with like a short skirt with uggs and like he says you look like an eskimo hooker to her (laughs) Again, a very progressive thing where she's like, yeah, that's the point. Like, don't slut shame her. No, and that was 2007. So a very progressive film here. Um, And (laughs) then you have Tim Allen, who I have to say, he's been on the, you know, like, you know, men aren't men anymore kick for some time. Um, I mean, we all know, of course, his sitcom, The Last Man Standing, where he plays like a guy who works at a store but is also like a youtuber who talks about like the pussification of the western (laughs) male yeah and he's in a miserable home with all women like he's literally the only man in the household and similar to martin lawrence in this movie it just is the most ruinous form of life for him but years ago he was he was a wild hog and Sam, can you describe his his living situation? He seems like he seems pretty okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Doctor Doug Putnam, which is the name of his character, is by far the most deranged person in the whole movie, um, bar none, because he has an absolutely perfect calm life like his wife is like looks younger than him i mean i think they're supposed to be the same age but she's like pretty and um she's really nice to him the whole movie like she's never it's not like um it's not like bobby and his wife where they're constantly at each other's throats um he's just seems to have like a pretty normal life his kid doesn't want to hang out with him and would rather play basketball with like his friend's dad because his friend's (laughs) dad can dunk which i think is funny but um it, the uh, he doesn't have a bad life at all. He has like a huge house. He's a dentist. His one problem is that he says he doesn't travel and he's never been. He hasn't been out of Cincinnati in like twelve years, which obviously comes up. But he's by far the weirdest character to me because his life is so fine and normal, but he's so fucking miserable with that. He considers himself like a failure. What kind of a stupid doctor never takes vacation? They have that's like that's like what they do. Well, also. The only reason they rag on him is because he's a dentist. So they're like, oh, he's not actually a doctor. 
Like, that's the best they could come up with. And it's funny because, like, I'm pretty sure The Hangover in, like, a few years from this will do that same joke of, like, oh, you're a dentist. You're not a real doctor. So I don't know why that was, like, a comedy trope for some reason in the late 2000s. That really really bled through to a few uh, (laughs) big titles. That's funny. Coming down hard on dentists, I guess. Well, I think we we can safely say that this movie, like, draws from that well of sort of, like, uh broy humor a little bit and it's odd to see these like you know i would say these are boomer figures right you know they're going through their midlife crisis it's yeah it's peak midlife crisis where they're just like our lives suck even though they mostly don't i could say that like the only persons whose life is tragic is john travolta's because he's bankrupt but like we don't really they don't explain why he has no money right like he just spent it all basically <laughs> lost it in the divorce i guess yeah the divorce like his wife his supermodel wife left him or something and took all his money i guess that's what it comes down to yeah i think that's that's what we're led to believe is the source of his downfall i couldn't get a read on like what his job is supposed to be i think he's supposed to be like a lawyer or something but um but yeah, he's the one who is like the alpha of the group, but it's all kind of based on lies. Like you said, his he's losing all of his money in a divorce. We literally, I think the first scene we have of him is him meeting with like his financial manager and he's and the guy's just like, well, you're broke. I don't know what to tell you. Honestly, it just felt like it was something out of John Travolta's life. Like this wasn't <laughs> supposed to be filmed. This is just like a, an everyday like John Travolta. Well, like I'm broke. Like how did this happen? I also think it's profoundly weird to see John Travolta in the mid 2000s. Like, I think this is when his Scientology controversies were kind of, you know, getting bigger. And he's just like, he's just playing this kind of like sort of straight role in a Disney sponsored movie. It's just like, he's very weird when he's like playing a normal guy in a movie. I just, I, I find his presence just unnerving. Yeah, I think that's why they have to make him into, like, the alpha of the group, the one who's got, like, the hot wife. Um, d- like, Tim Allen literally at one point says, like, oh, you're, like, you're the only one of us who's done well <laughs> in life. So the four fellas who we've just described, um, you know, they're kind of they're stuck in their boring lives in Cincinnati that are just completely fine, basically. Uh, and they decide that they need to uh, escape their routine. And instead of doing a weekend uh, activity of getting into their wild hogs leather jackets, uh, the wild hogs decide to head to California on their motorcycles. I mean, okay, the first thing that happens is they go swimming, right? That's like the first the first. Uh, best scene hands down (laughs) the guy from scrubs john john c mcginley (laughs) oh my god he's the best part i I wrote in my notes like this movie has the police that we need now like just (laughs) gay and unarmed (laughs) that's 100 true so okay so the first night they, they 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 I don't know, one of the tents, Dudley, who was William H. Macy, like burns down one of the tents. So all (laughs) all the fellas have to sleep like, you know, on one air mattress, you know. (laughs) Dudley is like spooning with Woody, too. (laughs) Um, And of course, and it's not that they have like a motorcycle ride earlier where Dudley was, you know, quote unquote, riding bitch and like smelled Woody's (laughs) neck. And they brought it. There's there's a this is not the first time in the movie where they've done like oh hey we're not gay with one another sort of joke yeah it's non-stop with that uh that's their whole relationship john travolta and william h macy just like i'm not gay you're gay jokes but like without saying it which i'm surprised they didn't say it luke what were what, what did you you want to walk us through the uh swimming scene because that this one actually made me laugh out sure. loud it, yeah it had its moments um so the guys pull off the road and find this like mini waterfall and like swimming hole and uh the three of them are in the water already and william h macy like walks up like butt naked and like great gives a great ass shot to the camera and they're all like oh you're going in naked and 
they have this whole conversation about like yeah we got to be free like let's swim naked and eventually the rest of them like take off their underwear and are just swimming naked <laughs> and then they <laughs> and toss then... <laughs> they toss their they toss them aside it's a very like cathartic like throwing of their underwear like against the rocks um and then a family of like two boys and like the mom and dad show up and like just out of nowhere and they're like hey hope you guys don't mind like the worst dad in the world of just like bringing his family to a watering hole seeing these four like adult men <laughs> swimming like and just like yeah let's like let's have some fun let's swim and like and it just obviously like gets progressively worse as like you know they're naked and like they the family doesn't know and it's just like that reveal of like they're gonna find out and of course like they say there's like crawfish in the water or something and the dad's like crawfish like let me get a handful and he like dies <laughs> into john travolta and it like basically like comes up out of the water like literally standing like inches away from it like face to face yeah so he he, he saw he saw his he saw his dick well he like grabbed it i think is implied is like <laughs> Oh, it's so stupid. It's so <laughs> stupid, but it's uh, <laughs> Sam. What's but the take? so after this is when um, so the cop initially walk like the the gay cop initially walks up up on them when they're like spooning on the air mattress and is like, I want to have sex with you guys. <laughs> and they're all like, ew, no. And then um, later when they're in the uh, watering hole, the cop pulls up again after like the family leaves and he strips down completely naked. He's like, all right, like who wants to play Marco Polo? <laughs> it's so atrocious. And William H. Macy actually like starts playing Marco Polo with him. <laughs> I also wrote down something that I forgot to mention when they first um, take off like their boxers. Doug, uh, you know Tim Allen is the last one to uh, willingly remove them, and he has, his quote is literally, "Fine, I will get naked with my gay friends, and if any of them look at my junk, I will kill them." Oh my Jesus! God. He would say the same thing today. Yeah, yeah. that's where this film's at. <laughs> In 2007, it's fascinating what insights we can glean. So uh, after that, they end up at the biker bar, uh, the Del Fuego's biker bar. The Del Fuego's are the rough and tumble biker gang led by Jack Blade, uh, played by Ray Liotta. A welcome presence, I think, in the film. I wrote down that they have a like the trio of... um... Ray Liotta, Kevin Durand, and MC Ganey is just like a great casting decision. Those are, and two, they those are like two a lot people of from Lost. Um, also, just yeah, character yeah. actors from like everything. They're really great, like when they're not making homophobic jokes, which like they don't do as many as our heroes do. No, they're but there's like they're more confident in their masculinity, perhaps. Yeah, there's that one joke where like. Uh, Kevin Durant's character is like, I'm gonna take their balls and like put him in my mouth and chew on him. And Ray Liotta is like mad. He's like, You're gonna do what? And he like punches him, and it's just like, <laughs> that's just nasty. Yeah. <laughs> now, also, we have to mention that they jump from like the, the state lines cross so quickly. First, they're like oh entering God. Missouri, then it's like entering New Mexico in like the same frame. I was like, okay. Um, so yeah, we're like in New Mexico at this point. Um, at the biker bar where they meet the the Del Fuegos, like the real bikers. And this is the first like real clash. Um, basically, you know, the bikers uh, see them for what they are. You know, you can put on the wild hogs leather jackets, but you're still just suburban losers who are just kind of encroaching on our on our turf in our bar. So um, Ray Liotta basically swindles uh, Dudley, William H. Macy, out of his uh out of his bike for some piece of scrap iron <laughs> which i feel like that part plays out a little too long like like they walk outside and they're like where's the bike like it's so much of like the back and forth that like did not need to go on for so long no and it felt no, like but, filling time. the movie itself did not need to be uh, over 90 minutes but <laughs> <True>. <laughs> that's fair but i honestly think 
um, with that scene, it's kind of cerebral and it's in the mind of, like I said, this, so this movie's clearly made for middle-aged men. It's made for like literally one kind of person. Um, this should be made for Spike TV, like this film. Um, But it was made by Disney. Exactly. (laughs) Um, and it's like, it's, it has like the tropes of, um, of what what's it called like a family comedy like all the all the soundtrack is like bum 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 as they're doing like funny things yeah um, or you know funny with quotes around it things but um the there like I said this is about like fear and the fear that like middle aged men have especially middle aged like hobbyists and they're I, like they're genuinely at this point thinking like are these guys trying to be nice to us even though in the back of the mind they their minds they know like no we're a complete waste of flesh we're like these doughy suburbanites these men are not like our friends they're clearly trying to dick us around like they have this whole time where like there's some like Dudley is kind of like oh great I would love to trade you my thing he's obviously like being very gullible but the rest of them like have this dull fear that's building that they know is like about to happen <laughs> what they know it's about to happen to them so to us like normal people it goes over long but for them it's like this cerebral snapshot of their damaged minds i think (laughs) well there's also like i feel like we have to talk about there's uh, there are like two rape jokes that they make and one of them is here the first one is earlier on when they're like hanging out in a bar at home and they're like he's like referencing movies and i forgot what a movies he said but he said deliverance (laughs) and they all kind of like go silent which is like they don't really like make it like it's very subtle but like if you know deliverance it's like has a famous like rape scene in it and then in this bar scene where they meet the del fuegos tim allen is like just says out loud like i'm getting a pre-rape vibe anyone else here and then like kevin durand is like yeah and he's like all excited and it's just like uh very uncomfortable to watch one scene I specifically remember is Dudley leaving on the sidecar uh, at the end of that, which is just like such a like cucked, like defeated, like infantile position. <laughs> yeah, and he's in Woody's sidecar, and Woody is already, you know, the the lead kind of "I'm not gay with you" guy because uh, because the, Dudley was like smelling his neck and spooning with him, <laughs> and he's so pissed that he returns to destroy the del fuego guys bikes and steal back uh dudley's bike that woody travolta um i mean he just like accidentally like fucking uh creates a a slick oil uh pool (laughs) that um a lit cigarette causes to uh, burn down the whole bar yeah, he cuts the gas lines on their motorcycles, and as you said, like, there's this scene where he's, like, driving away and sees, like, the mushroom cloud behind him <laughs> of the exploding bar. They should be dead. They were <laughs> standing right outside the bar. Like, Ray Liotta's like, everyone get away, like, the fire. But they, they don't move. They just watch it happen. And if the mushroom cloud is, like, visible from John Travolta's rearview mirror, <laughs> they should be dead they should have died in an explosion and the conflict should have been oh my god i just murdered like a village i'm like i was watching this i'm like did he intend to cause that i guess like cutting the gas lines he can be like oh you can't follow us i don't think he did i don't think he did yeah i think it was just to stop them from chasing them yeah but still (laughs) because he does his reaction is kind of funny where he knows he's like he fucked up and he like really like seeing John Travolta have like a scared reaction is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like frantic for like the rest of the film yeah. um, until he like comes clean. Cause he, he then uh, hides the fact that this happened from all of his, you know, the other hogs. <laughs> yeah. There's a, uh, th- th- there's a lot of uh, lying between the hogs and, and Travolta's character is, is lying about a lot of things. That's kind of his thing in the movie. I mean, he's, you know, he won't really even say to them, like, what's his real motivation for, like, pushing that they keep going every day to, and, you know, rush to get to the coast. But, yeah, it is a very, like, fleeing the country, like, fleeing your life, like, make it to the coast to, like, get away. Yeah, and, and also Travolta tells his friends specifically that um, 
he threatened to like sue the bikers or something like that. <laughs> he makes up this story where he like went in and like told off the bikers rather than that. He, what he actually did, which was like surreptitiously cut their gas lines, which like his made up story is more believable and like could potentially have happened. And even Tim Allen's like, you did that. Like he's still kind of like skeptical about it. <laughs> but to me also th- just like, going up in their faces and threatening to sue them is like way more of a bitch move than cutting yeah. your gas lines. To be honest, like cutting your gas lines is it's like he had to sneak around. And it is kind of like he's fucking up their property. Whereas like what he describes is just him like yelling at them. And that somehow <laughs> like makes him feel like more of a man than what he actually did. Well, and it, it results in them uh, having to like push their bikes for a while until they come upon the town of new, uh, not Madrid. Uh, how do they pronounce it? Madrid. Madrid. Which, like, they come up to the sign and they see it. Sa- it looks like it says Madrid, and it's pronounced Madrid. And John Travolta's like Spain. Like he really <laughs> thinks that they like drove to Spain. But like, and then William H Macy's character says, "No, it's pronounced Madrid." I looked it up online, and it's like wasn't the beginning they were like we don't know where we're gonna end up so like this is like about just going on the open road so like he knew that they would end up in small town new mexico oh yeah and how about the beginning when um who who was it who first makes them throw away their phones and like destroy all contact you know with woody the, yeah woody yeah woody like throws doug's phone and then doug throws woody's phone because um, Doug initially is like, oh, I've got GPS on my phone. And Woody's like, we don't need GPS where we're going, and, like, <laughs> hurls it. Um, and then the other guys, like, destroy them just in solidarity, I guess. Uh, we also glossed over that scene in which um, Dudley reveals that he has, like, an Apple tattoo, like, the the, com- the computer company. <laughs> and, um, like, the only characterization, I mean, going back to, like, the I Googled Madrid before we, like, randomly showed up here. Um the, like thing that he says is the only characterization of him is that he is like a computer programmer geek like he's just he reads wired magazines like that's it so yeah i mean dudley has a weird courtship uh with marissa tomei who owns a local <laughs> diner um yeah this was a relationship that uh you know, could only happen in cinema. You know, he, he, he literally cannot speak to a woman, but she's just like, you're so cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> she literally says, like, you're not like other guys here. Or something uh. like that. <laughs> well, yeah, when they have their romantic scene, I think he's like, I have to confess, I'm not a cool biker guy. As if, like, anyone looking at him would, like, think <laughs> that even just because they, like, somehow, like, told off a, another biker gang. And like save the town. Yeah. So the the sheriff of Madrid like introduces himself to the hogs because he thinks they're in the Del Fuegos. And um, then when he finds out that they're not and that they actually like told off the Del Fuegos or whatever, um, he's like, well, you should come to the Chili Festival tomorrow. And that's when I was really like, this is the most middle aged film of all time. And if you guys cap- happen to uh, see the banner, it says Chile spelled like the country, like C-H-I-L-E, which I also, I was looking up um, like IMDb, like trivia about this movie and it pointed that out. So, but I, I think if we want to go over trivia for, I don't know if we want to wait till later to do that. Uh, if we, should we just keep going with the plot? If you got something good, then bring it up now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. I did have, this, this kind of like relates more to the beginning of the movie. So I might as well say it. it's my favorite piece of trivia. It's that, if Doug's cholesterol is so high, there's a joke that like he's on, like he has like high cholesterol, so he can't eat like bacon or anything. Uh, in the beginning, he's like got a grapefruit in front of him, and so like in IMDb trivia, it says if Doug's cholesterol is so high, it's likely that he's taking cholesterol cholesterol medication. If that is the case, he would not be eating a grapefruit for breakfast. Grapefruit and cholesterol medication do not interact well, often causing severe kidney damage and can be fatal. (laughs) Being a doctor, he most certainly would know that. Wow. (laughs) 10 out of 20 people found this interesting. (laughs) Well, I found it interesting. Split evenly down the middle. (laughs) No, that's that's good trivia. And it also... um, 
it brings up the scene that we we also glossed over where um like before they're gonna leave on the cross-country road trip uh what doug brings the road trip up to his wife and um then just has like a mini meltdown even though her reaction is basically like yeah whatever go i don't care (laughs) um he just has like a meltdown where he eats a stick of butter and then ends up in the hospital because of his high cholesterol oh yeah that scene was pretty incredible because that was the scene where he's just like i could do anything i'm a man i could eat butter (laughs) like i was expecting like tim allen to have more of those like tim allen home improvement outburst where he does like the home improvement grunt he's like uh? <laughs> sadly it was only that one scene yeah, that was the only time because he wasn't in the domestic space as much um so yeah what what happens once they're in that the fucking the town uh the, when they're when they're not uh when they're noticed as uh by the townspeople as not being del fuegos they're welcomed and there's like a there's a carnival there that night and um the Del Fuego's chili no- festival and the, uh, sh- chili <laughs> festival, sure. The uh, Chile Del- festival. The Del Fuego's. Uh, how do they know they were there? Well, so they send like two guys there. Um, at the Chili Festival, there's also a, a extended joke of there's like this fat bald guy dressed as a cowboy who's singing like. Uh, first he's singing Pony by Genuine, then he's singing like the Pussycat Dolls after. And again, the joke is just like, that's just wrong. Isn't but, that Kyle Gass? I think you might be right. From Tenacious D. I, I think it is him. <laughs> is it? <laughs> oh, I'll do a quick IMDb. He's not listed on the wiki. There are like all these different um, cameos, like... The doctor in the hospital when Tim Allen goes to the hospital is Dr. True. Really? <laughs> yeah. And like, um, obviously, like the end uh, cameo, the famous uh, yes. Peter Fonda, like basically like reprising his role from Easy Rider. Yeah. Ugh. Spiritually, I guess. Yeah. I thought that was Kyle Gass. I don't see it on IMDb, but like. So it's just some other guy who looks exactly like Kyle. Oh no, it is Kyle Gas. I found it. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's him. Yeah, got worried for a second. Wow. Um. Uh, well, okay. So those, the you know Kevin Durand and MC Ganey, Red and Murdoch, see the group <laughs> and uh, confront them. Uh, or should I say that like uh, Bobby uh, Martin Lawrence goes to confront them. Yeah, this was the scene that I genuinely laughed at the most, I think, because Martin Lawrence is really like the only person in this movie who's very or only lead in the movie who is genuinely funny. Um, He sees them and uh, like the two Del Fuegos and he's like, "Okay, I'll take care of this because he's thinking that um, Woody has already chastised them by threatening to sue them or whatever lie that Woody told earlier. But um, so Martin Lawrence just goes up and starts like completely dissing them, but to the point that he's like spraying ketchup and mustard on them like Um, a lot like it lasts a while. Very uh, a lot of physical comedy in this movie, and this is probably like one of the better examples of it. And when the only reason they don't retaliate and beat the shit out of him is because Ray Liotta had just talked to them and said, like, don't touch them, like, wait for me to get there so like I can beat them up first. So, like, they are kind of like impressive for taking a beating, like, and like basically a this is just a scene out of good burger where Kel like shoots mustard and ketchup or like he didn't shoot mustard and ketchup on the bad guys. It's just like taken out of that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they are able to uh, like scare them off. They're, they're celebrated by the townspeople, you know, they're, they're honorary new, new Madridians. Yeah, the new Madridians chant like wild hogs multiple times in this movie. Not to mention Dudley's like dancing scene where he's he has to be taught to dance by Woody. Oh my god. No, that whole scene was amazing to me because it's the um 
they're all like partying. They are having like a beer together. Uh, Woody apologizes to Doug for calling him a pussy. And it's clear that they have to like all confess their feelings. Um, and yeah, Woody does volunteer to teach Dudley how to dance. And I, this scene stuck out to me because they are dressed so corny, but they're dressed in the way that like middle-aged men dress when they're trying to like look spiffy. Uh, I don't know if this like makes sense to you guys. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I was just confused that they brought that change of clothes with them on this <laughs> motorcycle road trip. Like, I figured it would be more of casual attire, but, like, good for them to bring their, like, Sunday best along just in case they come across a new town with a f- chili festival going on. <laughs> you know, I assumed it was some sort of, like, oh, they were given the nice clothes by, by gentle townsfolk, you know? But I don't think anyone else in the town is wearing those kind of clothes. They have like a more like country like flannels and like more casual dress than what they had on. Yeah, and and Madrid is a real place in New Mexico. It's on the the turquoise trail, which is like people who are really into our southwestern art go down there, I guess, to like look for beads or whatever the hell and um so, so there. I think they. I have a theory that someone involved with this like took a motorcycle trip out there and was like, "This would be a great scene for a movie or something like that." I don't know how this movie was conceived as far as like writing a script for this and just having this idea. I mean, like, it does sound like a midlife crisis movie about guys on motorcycles, but like for it to go in the direction that it did is pretty bizarre. Yeah, because it's PG-13. It's made by uh, Disney Umbrella, um, the Buena Vista. So it's just like, it's it's a Disney movie. It grossed a ton of money. Like, it did really well. Um, the movie, on a $60 million budget, uh, had a box office of $253.6 million. So it uh, did pretty well. Well, actually, I looked up, it was supposed to have a sequel, But the director, uh, Walt Becker, his follow-up movie, Old Dogs with John Travolta, was a a flop, so they did not greenlight the Wild Hogs sequel. That's a damn shame, Becker. You fucked up. (laughs) We left our heroes being hailed as uh, heroes by the folks in New Madrid. The next day, the, you know... Woody wants to get out as soon as possible because he knows that they are so fucked as soon as the uh, the uh, Del Fuegos get there. And uh, th- that's that's an entertaining scene because no one else really wants to rush out. Well, yeah, he kind of like the whole 24 hours, he's just trying to get them to leave. And they're like, they just go along like, oh, like what? It's like, why do you want to leave? Like, we should, we should stay. We're having fun. And like, obviously, like eventually they... Uh, the Del Fuegos arrive and they must face their doom. But do they? What did you guys think about the uh, the climax of this movie? Because I thought it was very underwhelming and kind of bullshit. Yeah, somehow they're able to take a lot of punches, I guess, even though they're just like guys from the suburbs, you know? Yeah, the, the Del Fuegos show up and threaten to like smash up the town and... Uh, you know, Marissa Tomei and Dudley are now like an item. So he's like, oh, she, like she can't lose the diner. It's all she has. Um, so the the hogs have to like face. At first, Dudley tries to face down the Del Fuegos on his own. But then his fellow hogs like join him. Well, Dudley is also don't forget that Dudley is like taped and suspended over town. Like not hung, but he's like hung like in he's hogtied he's hogtied he's literally hogtied right right so to back it up there he runs in by himself and gets captured and then the hogs come up with a plan to like (laughs) they want to like ride through the the del fuegos and grab dudley and like they just assume the tape that's like suspending him from the tree will like break and they'll be able to just ride off into the sunset um which i don't know how well that would end up for like the people of madrid but they don't seem to care about that (laughs) It, it did lead to the most depressing joke in the movie where they're like, they've hatched this plan. They're going to save their friend. And Tim Allen says to John Travolta and Martin Lawrence, like, 
you know, before I like ride out to save Dudley, like, will you do me a favor? Will you call me the golden knight? And yeah. it's just this really like, oh man, like male, like fragile ego, just like, you know, it's not enough that you have to save your friend. You need to like be like talked into it by like reliving your glory days in high school. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of that sense where you know is it the, is that just part of the American psyche to like feel like, you know, you're washed up? Uh, like that is that is one thing I, I kept coming back to from this film. And to yeah, to tie us into hog culture, I think that's like a big part of what drives like middle-aged men like this into I don't know, they're kind of like toxic or self-destructive mindset. It's like the the lack uh it's being a tiger in a cage or feeling like one feeling like you should be living up to like a bunch of shit you saw in movies when you were a kid um that you aren't going to do obviously because it's not real life but these guys they all want to live like easy rider because they saw that movie when they were kids but that's not like it's not real and they can't live out that fantasy and like because it makes more sense as an adult to just like have a job and a family who cares about you um which ironically is like the conclusion that they later come to or they have this confusing monologue uh that like doug delivers to to jack the leader of the del fuegos but um but yeah no there's something to this because it's it definitely resonated clearly with people if it made like 250 million dollars there is some kind of bizarre american suburban instinct to you want to live up to something that's probably not real and that like very few if any people live up to yeah and uh they did it with showing no no crystal meth uh not not in the film <laughs> yeah the like evil biker gang like they don't really do anything other than like harass a town i guess they, they do some property damage but like you think of like biker gangs now and there's like drugs and like murder and these guys are just kind of like mean yeah this is not like sons of anarchy territory <laughs> yeah so th they have to fight the Del Fuego gang in a sort of fist fight uh, competition. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're all they're all really getting their asses kicked, but they refuse to be beaten and beaten down. And that's that I think is is right. That's the story of like of 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 the, the male psyche. It's like, I'm just, I, you know, I could take it. <laughs> yeah, they literally take their beating and they keep fighting because they've realized that like they need to be upstanding men and but then that kind of it's like oh yeah they learned their lesson and then they're just basically saved because peter fonda who is like blade the like he created the del fuegos <laughs> damien blade he shows up and is like you guys got it all wrong like this isn't what like being a biker is about it's about like being on the road and being free and basically like i guess it turns out that like jack is davian's son <laughs> and like that's why he's like trying to uphold this biker gang and they just walk away they like they're done they're like okay i guess we'll leave everyone alone now but yeah the townspeople and um and blade you know peter fonda are really impressed with the wild hogs for stand is like literally blade has a line that's like uh the, who's more of a biker these four guys standing up against all of you or all of you picking on these four guys and so like the theme there is like the the most metal thing you can do is just be a doughy suburban man yeah kind of like against everything that the film is trying to show us um, but yeah, they, they have like a mon again, it's all about fear. Like, uh, Tim Allen literally has like a monologue about how, like, he's like, we, even though I'm scared, we need to stand up against things. And it becomes like this metaphor for like all these middle-aged men standing up to the fear that they have in their lives. Like we see this when like Bobby's wife shows up randomly in Madrid. I guess she like flew out there cause he wasn't answering his phone. Um, she drove or drove yeah again like how i don't know how they're crossing these like massive distances she drove so with doug's wife somehow yeah but um she shows up and then they just make up out of nowhere and she's like oh yeah continue the rest of your trip because <laughs> he like stood up there it's like i'm like what so she's gonna like just drive back to ohio now or whatever <laughs> well they made it in like 
12 hours it's supposed to be like a 24-hour drive and they somehow made it overnight like they must have been flying down the highway they're the wild hogs they can they, they can do it um woody having to like acknowledge his lies that was kind of entertaining too Oh, when he admits that he like he finally comes clean about <laughs> my wife uh, left me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he comes clean about not only the fact that he the reason the Del Fuegos were after him were after them was because he like cut their gas lines. He also has to come clean about the fact that he is losing like all of his money and his wife apparently. So, anything else in the movie other than the epilogue, which I think we have to mention? Yeah, talk about that epilogue because that kind of like I thought that ruined like it was I horrible. feel like they should have stopped where it was going and then they really like made it worse. Okay, but okay, before the epilogue, there's a little scene when they arrive in Southern California and Dudley starts like hit it. He rides his motorcycle onto the sidewalk and is like whacking into people's surfboards, but then everyone else gets <laughs> hit by something and then and then Dudley's like still up and that's the end of the movie. It's a callback to the first scene when Dudley wipes out on like a a real a realtor's sign, um, yeah. and it's clear that he feels like he doesn't belong with the other hogs because he has nothing in common with them other than the fact that he like rides a motorcycle with them. Um, but yeah, in this scene, he is fine, and the others are wiped out by a surfboard. No, and also in this scene, like all the babes on the beach in bikinis are like smiling at them, which is so weird. I'm like, even if you guys feel like you've conquered your fears and your alphas now, it doesn't necessarily translate into this. The ending is just they stare at butts and go, oh, and get distracted and fall off the motorcycles. (laughs) It's Tim Allen's like fucking fantasy. Um, apparently he was the most gung-ho about, like, being a, being a motorcycler in this movie. Like, he was, like, he had his, his, his fucking hog extremely customized. Uh, I was just gonna say, they did try to go into, like, motorcycle enthusiasts, like, enthusiasm about, like, oh, that's a panhandle. Or, like, they try to, like, kind of bring that in at times, but it just doesn't really, like, work. Because they're still, like, just kind of losers. So in the epilogue, the <laughs> Del Fuego's bar is the is the site of an episode of Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Um, you know they got Ty Pennington, they got the moving the bus. I mean, this is mid two thousands fucking like premium culture. Um, I was so profoundly annoyed by this scene. <laughs> But I, I don't know. Yeah, the wild hogs are just like watching it at a bar, but they see like, uh, you know, Ray Liotta's character and all the others just like, oh, my God, we have our bar again. So, Luke, why, why did this scene ruin it for you? Like, I was just going to say, like, the epilogue in the scene is just like, uh, like, I mean, it's obviously just the product placement or just like this, like uh, tying in extreme home makeover which i forgot existed until seeing oh, and the it end. was it was on abc which is a disney it was a disney uh network so uh, so it's just for the sake of synergy like tying in as many <laughs> properties that they could to like get every like dollar like out of people just to watch it and it worked <laughs> i'm pretty sure i saw this movie in theaters i don't remember for sure but i think i did I saw this movie on DVD when it came out. I saw this movie for the first time ever on HBO Max because you guys told me to watch it. And I did not hate this movie at all. (laughs) It was unbelievably stupid. But I understood it a little too well, I think. Like, it made a little too much sense to me. Um, I'm not a motorcycle guy, but I am, like, a bit of a bike, like, a cyclist, like, weekend warrior. And I do have this, like, fear of, like, the real cyclists, like, being like, oh, you're, you're riding the wrong kind of bike. Like, you're just some fucking idiot we're really good at this and like i so i i was disappointed with myself to how much i like empathize with the characters in this movie it definitely wasn't as bad as i thought it was gonna be there are like some genuinely funny moments but like i still laughed at the parts that were supposed to be funny but not because they were supposed to be funny but just because of how like audacious it is and like just how like they really went for like these jokes and like they didn't hold back and it's just really sad but like 
funny in the sense that like what they thought they were doing at the time was like yeah this is comedy it's pre-irony i think is what's going on in this movie there's it's not self-aware at all really other than like hell yeah we're we're doughy suburbanites but we kick ass too like that's really like the theme of the movie um it's also funny if you just look for like snippets of tim allen's conservatism like ready to jump out um there's one scene where like martin lawrence my favorite scene when martin lawrence is like dissing the del fuegos at the chili festival and he calls them crackers and doug's like hey that's offensive (laughs) (laughs) well yeah there's like Another like race based joke where William H Macy first runs into Marissa Tomei and he doesn't know what to say and he goes back to his boys and he's like, I couldn't think of anything funny. All I could think of was black jokes. And then Martin Lawrence is like, Oh really? Like why not? And like it's funny because he's like reacting to it. But William H Macy's like just so oblivious to like what he's saying to his friend. Like I just don't buy that these people are friends. They have nothing in common yeah. with one another. <laughs> Well, I was thinking, like, are they, like, childhood friends? But I don't think so because there's that scene where Martin Lawrence is like, oh, they used to call me Bullseye and, like, when I played Little League. And Tim Allen's like, oh, really? So, like, obviously they have no, like, childhood connection. They're just four guys who, like, like to ride motorcycles and, like, live in the suburbs. Yeah. Um, no, they have very little in common. The only thing that they... I think two characters have in common is that um, Doug idolizes Woody for like literally no reason. Cause we know that Woody's life is entirely a lie. It's the like having like a hot model wife. It's like, dude, my wife is Heidi Klum. You're, you're not going <laughs> to believe this. She's so hot. Did they show his wife? Like, do we, did we ever see what his wife looked like? Or we're we just like, it's a model. Like she's hot. Don't f- worry about it. Yeah, we see photos of her like briefly in like one of the in like the first scene, I think, when we see uh, John Travolta's character. So no, she's I don't think she ever appears on camera. Okay. So uh, why is this a good quarantine movie? Because I, I felt like it was. You know, you want to hit the open road. You want to see like you want you want to see like what it's like to you know hit the road and really hit the trail. Um, you know, it, it felt like a, a quarantine movie. Are we supposed to live vicariously through these middle-aged men because we can't go outside and like, I mean, I, at this point we could probably like drive places and like do a road trip, but obviously we can't do like staying in town and like all of that. And like the, most of the camaraderie, but like, I don't like that you think that this is a good quarantine movie because (laughs) I wished I was them. (laughs) It's the open road. (laughs) (laughs) It might be a good quarantine movie in that the theme at the end is that like staying home and being doughy is absolutely like the most manly thing you can do. True. Yeah. That is a pretty funny ultimate observation that the movie has. It's like, Hey, you know what? It's actually being a man is eating vegetables and, and you know, saying goodnight to your kids, not just, like, abandoning well, yeah, see, them. You should realize that you actually have, like, perfect lives. Like, you have jobs and, like, families and homes. And I'm sure John Travolta will bounce back. I'm not worried about his character. <laughs> Um, another thought I had about this is that it's Friday for mid- for middle aged white men, like the the movie with Ice Cube, where he has to beat up his like childhood <laughs> bully. Um, it's that, but for uh, like these middle aged men who are being bullied by real bikers. It um, it was the subject of a lawsuit. The Hell's Angels sued a Walt Disney Motion Pictures Group alleging the film used both the name and the distinctive logo of the Hells Angels Motorcycle Club without permission, and the suit resulted in voluntary dismissal. Um, I'm glad the Angels had their day in court. <laughs> I, I do like the image of uh, that voluntary dismissal being extracted from the Hells Angels by, like, um, you know, the corporate attorneys of Disney who, like, dangled them over, like, a... V- boiling vat of acid or whatever disney does to those who try to come for it on ip uh char- you know uh lawsuits uh i don't think that the hell's angels knew what they were up against <laughs> it's uh, kind of like the plot of this movie where disney is the del fuegos and 
the Hell's Angels are actually the wild hogs and they get into deep shit. Yeah, the Disney lawyers were like, what, you think you're some kind of transactional like IP attorney? You have no idea what you're <laughs> up against. This is the real world, baby. I don't usually look up the um, the Rotten Tomatoes, but for this one, I was curious. Uh, 14% um, critics and 61% audience. So this is, an, this is something where the audience definitely was more was more into it than the than the critical community uh it's not surprising it's a movie for the people yeah i was gonna say it really feels like it like the shift in comedy like movies that also came out in 2007 are like super bad and uh knocked up and it kind of just like the judd apatow scene took over and this is like as much as i say like oh it's like men trying to have their last stand it's like the you didn't see many like the comedies after didn't f- take much like in the same merit of wild hogs like obviously uh old dogs the follow-up film did not do well and people kind of are just over this comedy team yeah there's there's something about this that's like very uh like late 90s early mid aughts um tim allen like i feel like tim allen's in like a million other um comedies that are almost identical to this in terms of execution and then after that time you're def- you're definitely right that it, it shifts into the like the judd apatow model of comedic feature films and also just these actors in general like william h macy went on to do shameless and have probably his most popular role but like martin lawrence was kind of like dying out of comedy like tim allen obviously like was and like John Travolta hasn't been in much great content since. Fred Durst's The Fanatic, he has done. Gotti. Did you guys see The Fanatic? I haven't seen it yet. Uh, Did you? Yeah, Gotti. No, I didn't see it. Like, I kind of <laughs> wanted to see it, but I just heard it was not enjoyable. I tried to watch Gotti a couple times, but no, no success. It's It's really rough. No, Gotti has like non-linear time. There's no idea. There's no way to explain what uh, what the plot is or like the order of events in that film. Yeah, I've watched people rip it apart on YouTube and just go in on it. Like it's one of those things I don't have to watch it myself. I kind of it was roasted for me. It was probably the best viewing of that movie. So, uh, final thoughts or any other in- in- info you you know from your brain on Wild Hogs, uh, Luke? I do want to bring up this last piece of trivia that I had. Um, <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. The scene in the Del Fuego's bar when Woody was squinting was almost entirely improvised. The cast had done the scene a couple of times and would ad lib occasionally. One time, John Travolta just stared. S- just started squinting in the Clint Eastwood impression. The other characters' reactions were real. They were expecting John to say his lines, but kept going with it. So, like, that scene where they, like, meet Ray Liotta and they have the standoff and John Travolta just squints at him and everyone's just, like, looking at him like, that's just a genuine, like, they don't know what's going on because he's just staring and not saying his lines. (laughs) (laughs) Movie magic. Travolta's still got it in 07 (laughs) i would say otherwise it's just a very forgettable movie it's the last of its era of this kind of comedy in the late 2000s just a bunch of lame jokes that kind of work for reasons that they shouldn't or just make you cringe because it's just so uncomfortable to witness i didn't hate it i definitely like i got through it okay like but i would not watch it again and i don't really recommend it (laughs) i'll say that i didn't really i didn't not enjoy the movie where I, i really thought i would fucking hate it it had some redeeming like moments that were surprising you know like the mustard squirting scene like that were just like okay that's just funny like physical humor uh, overall, I hated all the characters, uh, rooted for them all to fail, and didn't feel didn't feel much of a connection to their success. Uh, even though it was like a, a movie, you could tell they were going to win in the end. Uh, I, I was not invested in their in, in their uh, victory. Um, 
that being said, um, it had some redeeming moments of comedy that were really funny, even through a, just a fucking maelstrom of really lame homophobic jokes and just really lame sort of like just 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 jokes that are lame that you wouldn't tell now because they're not funny not because it's like or it's just like you're gonna get canceled no it's just like i mean it's a lot that doesn't work but there's some that does work i, I don't know how many how many, what my rating for this would be but i wouldn't watch it again but it's it's not the worst it's not the worst it's it's it, it, it's it, there's some there's some funny moments yeah relative to stuff that we have watched i think the <clears throat> the ultimate like fucking absolute zero that we watched definitely was loquisha and anything above that is like <laughs> is is gonna do better but th this is not even i'd say this is less like loquisha than it is um you know it's it's further away from loquisha than it is close to it if that makes sense i i i would say that's an accurate statement um loquisha is is the bottom of the barrel of cinema luke have you seen loquisha I have not, but I am aware of its existence. Well, our episode was called Do Not Watch Loquisha, so that is continues to be our recommendation. It's it's not worth it's not worth seeing. It's it's uh it's it's really fucking bad. No, and I would say this is only enjoyable if A, you are the kind of irony free middle aged man who would be like sees them himself as like the subject of this film. Or if you are trying to understand that kind of mindset, like we are on this podcast, like for, for me to watch it, I was like, oh, this is going to be a great episode because it's like exactly what we talk about. <laughs> but for like no other reason, would you ever want to watch this film? I would say just go on YouTube and search John C. McGinley, Wild Hogs. And that's really the only redeemable part. Like, it's just funny because it's so like over the top and just more genuine than the other jokes. Like I thought he was going to be like a homophobic cop because it's set up to be like, he finds them in the woods, like spooning and like everything they say is like uh double entendre. And like Martin Lawrence is like, yeah, and I was blowing my jaw is sore from blowing all night. And like, you think that I wrote in my notes, like before John C. McKinley said anything like, Oh, is it illegal to be gay in the woods? And then you'd <laughs> find out that he's actually gay and just wanted to like, have fun with them and like that's the only enjoyable character in this movie they definitely don't pay marissa tomei enough to be like the hot lady who is willing to get romantic with the ugliest or least appealing man in the cast which happens to her in a couple movies i've noticed yeah like that movie that movie cyrus where she's with john c Riley. Yeah, or of course, also famously in um, Seinfeld, where she's like, "Oh, I love short, funny, bald men." Oh yeah, and uh, George fucks that up. Well, I was gonna say, you guys think that like William H Macy is the worst to hook up with of the four? I feel like he's at least top two, like him and Martin Lawrence. Like, I would not go <laughs> yeah. near Tim Allen or John Travolta. <laughs> Looking at the four, yeah, Travolta with his shirt off, I, I would not want anything to do with. But I think within the within what worse the mindset of the movie, like for us as like normal adults, yeah, he is probably the most well put together of all th like four of them. But uh, within the the like context of the film, he's the one who's fully unable to talk to women at all, and seems like barely able to function half the time. Yeah, I guess there are no uh, Madridian men who could court her, so she'll settle for William H Macy. Yeah, this was a movie of, uh, about hog culture. If anything, I mean, it really. It, I mean, we, we picked. I picked it because of the fucking title, <laughs> and because I remembered it was like a stupid motorcycle movie with a ridiculous cast. Um, but I, I, I think we can see that uh, you know, it works for that uh, definition. <laughs> uh, Luke, anything to plug before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, I'd like to plug my podcast. It's called Boo Scumps. It is a show that my friend John and I are working on. We are on Spotify and YouTube. We watch the show Goosebumps from the 90s and basically uh, do a commentary on the episode and then just rate it to we say if it still holds up or if it's just crap. But, you know, it's a low bar. It's a kid's show. But it's got its ups and downs and... 
at Boosgumps at Boosgumps Podcast. Check it out. Cool. Um, it, do you find that most of like what's the you know what's the ratio of like holds up to not holds up? Surprisingly, most of it holds up. Oh, that's good to hear. It's a great show, but it's a great show to watch. To like, if you guys want to watch something that's ironically funny and unironically funny there are like some hit or miss episodes some of them you can get some good enjoyment out of its cheesiness and others are just really badly put together but still enjoyable and it's nostalgic um all right we're on patreon now patreon.com slash hog planets um yeah follow me on twitter at spaventacular uh and patreon is a great place to hear uh, extended interview clips um bonus episodes we'll be doing a lot there so uh support the show subscribe and uh sam anything else uh no i mean follow the show on twitter at hog planet follow the show on instagram at hog planet podcast uh you can follow me on twitter at wagstank and uh yeah rate review subscribe the whole nine yards all right wild hogs um lastly let's just let's just say um you know uh, of the two people that were nude in the movie i think i'm i'm i would prefer that it was william h macy and john c mcginley versus like tim allen and john travolta do you think they had it in their contract that travolta would not show but <laughs> neither cheek nor crack nothing below the waist the studio demanded it not travolta <laughs> yeah well thanks for uh letting me ride bitch on hog planet as uh travolta would say <laughs> the sidecar yeah i'm willing to forgive you for sniffing dan's oh. neck wild hogs um i don't endorse it but i don't unendorse it anyway uh, maybe I do unendorse it. <laughs> All right. Anyway, this is Hog Planet. <laughs>